This is Lab Medicine Rounds, a curated podcast for physicians, laboratory professionals, and students. I'm your host, Justin Kreuter, the Bowtie Bandit of Blood, a transfusion medicine pathologist at Mayo Clinic. Today, we're rounding with Dr. Vank Belamkanda, Assistant Professor of Emergency Medicine and the Wellness Officer for the Department of Emergency Medicine at Mayo Clinic here in Rochester, Minnesota. To use his own words upon being invited as a guest of this podcast, I'm stoked to have him rounding with us today as we talk about the importance of wellness. Thanks for joining us today, Dr. Belamkanda. Please just call me Vank, and thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So Vank, I'd like to kind of start out with the why, and I think when talking about the why, I'm really curious about why are wellness efforts a need to have rather than kind of a, a want to have? Yeah, I think it always has to start there, right? Isn't it Simon Sinek's start with why? The why is different for a lot of people. And certainly wellness and burnout are not direct opposites, but I usually start in my mind with, well, what is the cost if we don't do this and we have burnout? Well, I believe Forbes had been quoted as saying that it could be potentially up to $190 billion annually in total healthcare costs, including productivity, healthcare expenses, et cetera. But that doesn't account for lost engagement. And some reports are suggesting that when people are not well, they may engage about one third less than normally. So, you know, if we consider our FTE from a productivity standpoint for a business, that's a huge loss, even with the people who continue to work. But beyond that, let's just think about the effects of a community that feels well, whether it's wellness or well-being. You know, you have people who are happy and engaged, creative and thoughtful, willing to go the extra mile wherever their time allows, children growing up in really well-adjusted homes, and the impact of that for the community, it's very far-reaching and touches everything from engagement, employee turnover, productivity, healthcare, healthcare utilization, illness prevalence. So I think the effects of not addressing this are incredibly huge. And then at an employer level, I think it's become the standard to have to care about this. And so if you want to have the best people for your jobs, you really should be thinking about this. Otherwise you'll be behind the times and the best candidates are going to demand this and go somewhere else. I love the way you frame that because right away as you flip it around is what if we don't do this? And as you talk through a lot of those stats, it really kind of hits, I'm sure, a lot of our audience too, about, wow, this is significant. This is significant in multiple ways. And I really appreciate that you highlighted there's a lot of individual differences as well. The, the diversity of how do we experience this construct varies. As you've been doing this deeper dive, Vank, I'm curious, what has really kind of stood out for you? What have you learned as you've take it on this role as wellness officer for the Department of Emergency Medicine here at Mayo. I'm curious about that because I think this podcast is all about building these bridges between lab medicine and clinical practice. I think this is one of these podcast examples where when we think about wellness and the emergency medicine, especially these past two years of the pandemic, I've been elaborating for a long question to say, what's really struck you as, as something that would be helpful for audience to understand. Absolutely. Wellness is more than doing yoga or eating fish each night or having free food at conferences or time off or 
free coffee. It's way beyond that. And sometimes people think of it as money. In fact, on Twitter recently, there was a, somebody who was talking about compensation as a form of respect and wellness. And I, I think it's way beyond any one of these domains. And in fact, a lot of those are really short-term happiness things. You know, Usually there's some regret afterwards when you eat the free pizza. At least for me, there is lots of regret. But you know what I've learned is that to improve wellness and well-being, it's a very personal journey for an individual or for a department or for an institution. The same solutions don't work for everybody because the problems are not the same. And even within one person's experience, it will change based on the context that they're in. To give a great example, earlier in my career, I was really thinking about quitting medicine. I was a new dad and I was wildly successful in terms of everything you could see here at Mayo in terms of, uh, you know, awards and opportunities, but internally I just felt exhausted and like I wasn't achieving the standard I wanted to achieve at home. And so that was my context. Whereas somebody else might be feeling because of a financial stress that their well-being is fractured or tenuous. And then somebody else might be thinking about it entirely from a COVID perspective, you know? So this is very personal and it's based on the context that that person or group is going through at that time. And I think as a result, if we want to talk about the best state or best practice, what I've learned is that you have to address wellness and well-being in all its facets that you can possibly address at political levels, community levels, enterprise levels, department levels, and individual levels, and thinking about it from a physical health, financial well-being, social or community building aspect, engagement, time, reimbursement, all of these things, if you address one or two of them in isolation, you're not going to move the needle. It has to be a, a concerted and thoughtful effort in as many domains as you possibly can muster. Vink, as I hear you say that all these facets, it sounds almost too daunting. Too, too, yeah, thank yeah, you. Too I'm big you. to get my hands around. Oh. And so I imagine there's got to be some sense of being iterative yeah. with your process. And to do that, I suppose you really have to reach out to your community and ask, yeah. where do we start? And so I'm thinking about our listeners here, which you know, are lab professionals, clinicians, students. Yeah. What are those maybe first steps that they can take and maybe mm-hmm. initiate for their own local practice what their initial support might look like? People who are in a position to influence the community or the department as a whole, let's put that group to the side just for a moment, mainly because I think we can all relate to trying to address things at an individual level, and you don't need any committee approvals or a big budget to do so. And so I think that's a great place for us all to begin. But I I absolutely don't want anyone to walk away thinking that I'm putting all the onus on well-being on the individual. Definitely not. But I will tell you from my journey, I started there and it was really impactful and empowering for me to see what I could do just for myself and for my family. And like I said, it's beyond the superficial things, the pizza and the yoga and whatever, right? And so where is it? It begins with positioning yourself in a community or a place that sees you as you want to be seen. If it's your identity as trans or a parent or whatever, you have to be in a place where you feel comfortable being who you are and that people will see you for who you are. And then ideally you combine that with an opportunity to work in an for an institution or environment that 
aligns their values and their mission with your personal values in the way you want to live your life. And for some of us, we haven't really taken stock of what our values are. And so that might be a, a pre-work step before you even get to this. But if you know what your values are, making sure that your work and your school ties or community ties all align with that is incredibly important. And I'll explain why in just a second. So we've started with being in an environment where you are seen for who you want to be, and then being empowered to do things that align with your values. And then in, a, in an institution or environment or workplace where you feel you can actually make a difference, in that you affect the trajectory of your life. It's very difficult to find well-being or personal satisfaction if you don't feel that if you put in more effort or you reach out or you change your effort, that there's not a compensatory deflection or movement in your trajectory. Feeling that you make a difference in your life is very important. So those are the three foundational building blocks, I would say. Hopefully you all listening, I'm assuming there'd be a lot of Mayo people, but I'm hoping that you feel that Mayo sees you this way and that you are valued and that your values align with Mayo values. But let's say you're listening and that doesn't fit. Well, I think these are so foundationally important that it's probably worth your time and energy to think, can you modify what you do to fix that gap? Or do you need to go do something else for someone else um, to fix that gap? Because these are just so foundational to be seen as who you are, to know your values and do what aligns with your values and feel like you can make a difference. The next layer to that is to really be honest with yourself and taking stock of what's going right and what's not. Don't embellish either way. And I think sometimes that's hard to be reflective just for yourself about the truth of yourself and your situation. And think about it from a social perspective. Do you feel connected in your community, both at work and at home? How is your work going? Are you matched with your skill sets in this work? How's your physical health? Are you getting the exercise you need? Are you getting your preventative healthcare screenings? Do you need something more than that? What about your spirituality? Is this important for you? Are you addressing it and as connected with that as you want to be? Your emotional well-being and your, and your love dimension, is that progressing the way it needs to happen? Or do you feel like it's not? Financially, are you hitting your finance goals and are you not? Are you prepared for financial challenges or are you not? Do you have mentorship and support guidance to help you grow in all the dimensions you want? Personally, it's not just for my work, but I want to grow, for example, in my interest in chess playing. And so I have a coach that helps me with chess. So making sure you have that guidance and mentorship and challenge in the things that you care about. And then your time. Do you have enough time to get the stuff done that you care about the most? And if not, what needs to go to free up that time? Or do you have too much extra time? In which case, what can you fill it with? And believe it or not, there are people who have that problem. All of these, if there's an imbalance, can make you feel less than your most well self. And so those are things that I think are very easy to do. If you take stock of these things for yourself, then even if you decide not to make any changes right away, as opportunities come to your door or they're leaving, you have an idea of what that will do to your, your balance, your homeostasis, not to be too fancy about it. But if you're losing social connection because you know, you're in a football league and that's ending, well, maybe you need to augment something else somewhere and you take up a book club or something else to supplement that. But you won't know if you'd let these things just happen to you in the background. 
but being more intentional about assessing them and having plans is really very helpful. For more laboratory education, including a listing of conferences, webinars, and on-demand content, visit mayocliniclabs.com forward slash education. As I've been listening to you, I wonder if this is a valid question or not, because given the diversity that's out there, I was going to ask you in your role as wellness officer, I imagine you've interacted with a number of folks. And I'm curious if there are classic struggles with improving wellness that you can help our listeners navigate if there's some pearls to share in that regard. Absolutely. That is a totally awesome question. And there are, there definitely are classic struggles or themes. I'm going to build off that question. It's not so much classic causes for lack of wellness, but since many, many people these days are feeling that they're under a crucible for whatever reason, COVID, finance, life, whatever, the effects of that and how do we handle that kind of exhaustion is a common struggle for us all. And I would say that one of the most helpful things that I've seen, I stumbled across a going home checklist from the National Health Service from the United Kingdom several years ago. And I thought, what a brilliant idea to, to help make sure that we don't take that burden of stress from work and take it home and take it out on our kids or spouse or whatever else, our plants, pets, you know, how do we do that effectively? So I re-engineered the checklist and we created one for Mayo that you can get if you want for your division or yourself through the forms system at Mayo. Basically, it's a moment of reflection before you transition from work to home. And in that reflection, you take a moment to think about and acknowledge three things that went well during the day. No matter how many other things didn't go well, find three things that did. And some days it might just be that you got out of bed. And it can be that. But then other days, if you don't take a moment, you might overlook the fact that your coworker anticipated that you had a long night and brought you coffee, you know, and stuff like that. So three things that went well. The next one, acknowledge one thing that went not well or was difficult for the day. Think about it. Process it for a moment. Be kind to yourself and let it go. And just acknowledge that you're not going to work on that and you're gonna let it go before you enter the house. Next, think about one person that you want to acknowledge and you directly recognize them, even if it's in your thoughts. For example, I'm very grateful that I got to be on this podcast today and I'm going to probably at the end of my work day, think about how awesome that was and directly acknowledge all of you for having me. Identify one teammate who could use a pick-me-up and reach out to them. And this is important because sometimes in our moment, we will forget to look at the people beside us and we can have a huge impact upon their experience just by thinking, oh, you know, that patient was kind of brutal to my colleague. Maybe I can just give him a call or shoot him an email and say, I'm thinking about you. I know that was really hard. And if you need me, here's my phone number. Give me a call. And the effect that that will have not only on your well-being for recognizing and, and building a sense of community, there is science to say that will uplift your own spirits, but the effects to the other person are also quite dramatic. And then the next one is reflect on at least one action that you did during the day that aligned with your personal values. And again, this is so that you relate each day 
to the fact that you are moving your personal value set forward. And if we don't deliberately look at it that way, it can often be that we feel like the day was spent processing email or not getting something done. When in truth, if we think about it, what we did really did fit with our values, at least some part of your day did. And if you can't think of that, well, that's also a reflection going back to those foundational pieces that we talked about. If so many days pass and you can't reflect anything with your values, that's important to recognize. And the last piece is just deliberately acknowledge and tell yourself you're about to transition into a rest and recharge period. And that's healthy and normal. So you're going to leave work behind and you're going to come home and be as present as you can be in the way that you can. And I recognize some people are on call or you might have leadership duties or whatever, but there's still a mental opportunity to just tell yourself that that's what's going to happen so that you don't carry baggage across that boundary into the threshold of your house. So I think these are not necessarily shared causes of poor well-being or wellness, but rather the effect of being unwell or under a crucible, as I said before, can be very similar and we can mitigate it with a similar strategy. Hearing you talk about that checklist, I really like how it, it seems to be a way to close one chapter of your life and open another, kind of, you know, celebrating, you know, we are multitudes, there's multiple facets out there within us, areas we participated. And the other thing that I really love about that is how it sounds like you're also threading in three things that went well, what is one thing that was difficult, but I hear the connection, the thread to community when it, what's one person that really I connected with or what was one teammate that I need to reach out to, it, it's really threading us together. Exactly. It, woven in there are that building community, helping uplift people, thinking about our values, gratitude, some of these big picture themes that go beyond yoga and pizza and time off and money. Earlier, I talked about how much more important these things are. Well, my experience is that people who have these foundational blocks in the right places, their ability to survive and thrive under stress is much greater than people who are in work environments that they don't feel seen, don't feel valued, don't feel like they can make an impact. When that's the case, we're much more brittle. And the unfortunate reality is that life is always going to throw challenges at us. I mean, these last two years have brought that to the surface, right? And if we are not first building with the right blocks, then our houses and our, our buildings that we build ourselves up in are going to fall. I'd like to kind of close the podcast by looking to the future. And I think going back to how you started this podcast about how it really is an essential and just how awareness is growing and not just awareness for some very basic stuff, but some meaningful things uh, in our life in these various facets. What do you think is in store for us in the future? As you're saying, in the near future, it's just going to be the standard of employment to have these kinds of programs. Absolutely. I'm biased in this. I love technology. So I, I sit and think about tech quite a bit. And these last couple of years obviously have challenged most of us to think about how we interact with other humans differently. And it comes at a time when even pre-COVID, things were moving into a metaverse or a, you see that in the change of Facebook's name, for example, to meta. And I think that puts a challenge on us in wellness and well-being. How do we maintain or push forward 
in our individual well-being, when we may be physically more isolated, can we leverage virtual reality, augmented reality to help build community when we may be across bigger distances? And I think it's a cool challenge. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see lots of innovation in that space over the next couple of years. I'm personally very excited to see what comes. And I have a few tricks up my sleeve for the emergency department that I'd like to test out. I bet you do. And as listeners may not know, I really appreciate a lot of the uh, education and teaching that happens in emergency medicine. And I I like to drop in and and spy and and learn from your wonderful grand rounds that you guys do. And I'm looking forward to seeing that, Vank. We've been rounding with Dr. Bellum Kanda on the importance of wellness. Thank you for being here with us, Vank. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So to all of our listeners, thank you for joining us today. We invite you to share your thoughts and suggestions via email. Please direct any suggestions to mcleducation at mayo.edu. If you have enjoyed Lab Medicine Rounds podcast, please follow or subscribe. Until our next rounds together, we encourage you to continue to connect lab medicine and the clinical practice through insightful conversations. Mm -hmm.